Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Afterward, Joshua struck them. Notice Joshua did it. He pulled out his sword and he put an end to these five kings. He struck them. Joshua struck them. He killed them and hanged them on five trees. And there they were hanging on those trees until evening. And so it was at the time of the going down of the sun that Joshua commanded. And they took down from the trees and they cast them into the cave where they had been hidden and laid large stones against the cave's mouth, which remain unto this very day. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob continues in chapter 10 of the book of Joshua with the conclusion of the battle against the five Canaanite kings. Verse 26 says, And afterward Joshua struck them and killed them and hanged them on five trees. By this dramatic execution, Joshua made it clear that there could be absolutely no accommodation with these Canaanite kings. After this pattern, We can allow no place in our lives to our spiritual enemies. All the ground belongs to Jesus and must be taken for him. Now let's join Pastor Rob for today's study. Thus says the Lord, if my covenant be not with day and night, and if I have not appointed the ordinances of heaven and earth, then will I cast away the seed of Jacob and David my servant. In other words, as long as there are these ordinances, these, these rules of, of nature and the, the sun and the moon and everything, and it's in its perfect place and it's doing exactly what I want it to do. As long as it's there, I'm not going to go back on my people and I will keep them. And it's a notable miracle that God did here. And there's a lot of scientific information concerning this long day of Joshua. In fact, in other cultures even, in Egypt, and Chinese, and Hindu sources, they have uh, records of this long day, and it only happened once. It only happened once. And you think about it, as you consider what Joshua is going through, in other parts of the earth over in China, there are people over there, and they have a king, and they have rulers over them, and, and other countries too. See, the Bible doesn't make a, a, a claim of having all of world history. You know, otherwise, the book would be huge. This is a specific book about redemption. It's a plan of redemption. It talks about the beginning, certainly, but it, there's, a, there's a, a purpose behind it. It's, it's, it's getting to who we are, who God is, the great gulf in between, and the great plan of redemption. That's what this is about. That's what this is about. But in other lands, we hear these things happening. Herodotus, who was a great uh, a Greek historian, He tells that the priests of Egypt showed him a record of the long day. 
So this long day wasn't just something that was known to the Jews. It was known all over the world. Everyone had, had, had uh, taken note of it. The Chinese writings state that there was such a day in the reign of their emperor, Yeo. Y-E-O. That's how you pronounce his name. Yeo. Sounds like the name of a bagel or a, a, a Lego. Lego my ego. His name is Yeo. Maybe that's where we get Oreos. Never mind. I won't go there. So anyway... But he is supposed to have um, been a contemporary of Joshua, and they have a record also of a long day. The Mexicans also have a record that the sun stood still for one entire day in the year, which is supposed to correspond with the exact year in which Joshua was warring in Canaan. Pretty interesting. So in verse 13, so the sun did, it stayed still. And the moon stopped until the people had revenge upon their enemies. Isn't not this written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for a whole day. For a whole day. And there was no day like it, verse 14, before or after it, that the Lord heeded the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. There's a spiritual principle here, and it is this. God hearkens to the voice of a man who himself has hearkened to the voice of God. God listens to a man who listens to him. And here he did. And it happened once. And it was notable all over the globe. Everyone made note of this long day. And how did that really happen? We don't really know. You know, there's a lot. I've read a a number of things about what these things could possibly be. And I'm not going to bore you with that tonight. Although it is very interesting, actually. Some believe that, you know, you certainly couldn't just stop the earth. Because stopping the earth on its axis and the rotation would cause all kinds of flooding and all kinds of weird things. He could have caused the sun to maybe stop, or maybe he slowed it down uh, together. Maybe he slowed the whole thing down, because we know that the earth revolves around the sun, and maybe he slowed the whole thing down so it wouldn't be such a, a noticeable thing. See, however God did it, it doesn't really matter. The fact that he can move heaven and earth to save his people and to give them the victory, he will. And I love that about the Lord, that no matter what you're going through, he can move heaven and earth and will, if necessary, and let me tell you something. <laughs> the other day, here, uh, it was Tuesday, I think. There was an accident right out here on Browncroft, and I actually got it on our cameras, got it on video. And the guy came through the intersection, and right here on Blossom Road, there was a car, a white car, and they were sitting there at the light, and there was another car behind them, and here's Browncroft like this. And so these guys get the green light, so they go across. This white car just barely goes across Browncroft, and a car comes flying at a high speed of rate down through the thing, going right through the red light, hitting the side of the, of the embankment, flips his car right over on its back, skids all the way down the street, lands in front of Fast Track, and the whole thing is caught on video. And I thought to myself, that person in the white car and the person behind them were talking centimeters. I mean, you look at it, and you're like, how did that person not get clobbered? Well, I can tell you why. It wasn't their time. That person in the white car could have been fiddling with his phone and, and looked up, and, and, and the, it had already been green for two seconds. And now he decides to go at the precise time that he would have missed this oncoming car. Can God move heaven and earth? Can he use even your, you know, your cell phone going off? You're getting a text message, and you happen to look down at what you're not supposed to do, by the way. But you do anyway, but it saves your life. These things happen all the time. So it doesn't surprise me that God can do these things. So it says, verse 15, Then Joshua returned and all Israel with him to the camp at Gilgal. 
Now we're going to pick up the pace here. It says, verse 16, But these five kings, they'd fled, and they hid themselves in the cave at Machedon. One of the things about Israel, if you've been to Israel, uh, it is full of caves, especially around the Jordan Plain and, the, and the, the, the mountains that are surrounding it. There are caves everywhere for for a long ways. It's just that whole Jordan Valley on each side, you know, as, as you go through the Valley of Jordan, uh, there's mountains on, you know, Mount Gilead over on this side and the, and the, the cliffs and the mountains of, uh, you know, the Judah and Judea foothills. And there's all kind, all the way down to the Dead Sea, all kinds of little crevices and cracks. So many, so many. <laughs> it's really incredible. And so these five kings, you know, they're, they're fleeing. They're running for their lives. These five kings go into a cave. They hide themselves. And it was told Joshua, verse 17, saying, The five kings have been found in the cave at Machedah. So Joshua said, Roll large stones against the mouth of the cave and set men by it to guard them. And do not stay there yourselves, but pursue your enemies and attack their rear guard. And do not allow them to enter their cities, for the Lord your God has delivered them into your hand. So here they are. Can you imagine the adrenaline? You can almost feel the pulse increasing as they're just, they, they've, 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 they've got the enemy on the run now. They've got these five kings in a cave. They've holed it up with a bunch of rocks. And now, you know, they're going after the, the stragglers now. And you can imagine just the, 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 the excitement, you know, of God making the promise. And, Lord, it's coming to pass. I can't believe it. We're out. No, you know, there's so many people. And what the Lord did for his people is amazing. Verse 20, Then it happened while Joshua and the children of Israel made an end of slaying them with a very great slaughter, till they had finished, that those who escaped entered fortified cities. And all the people re- returned to the camp to Joshua at Machedah in peace. And, and, and so no one moved his tongue against any of the children of Israel. And then Joshua said, Open the mouth of the cave and bring out those five kings to me from the cave. And can you imagine these guys? They've been sitting in that cave for who knows, for a few hours, maybe for a half a day, and they're thinking to themselves, are they just going to let us die in here? And can you imagine when the rocks are starting to be pulled away, and they're thinking, "Uh, I think I'd rather just die of hunger in here because I think I know what's coming. Can you imagine the fear? So it was when they brought out those kings to Joshua that Joshua called for all the men of Israel and said to the captains of the men, notice the captains, the men who, the, the men who have been uh, rulers or, or captains over 50s, captains over 100s. He has them come and he says, come near, put your feet on the necks of these kings. And they drew near and they put their feet on their necks, which is just a very Middle Eastern, very Eastern uh, thing that they would do. It was a, it was a sign of dominance. To have victory over your enemies, you put your foot on their neck that you are superior over your enemy. That's what this was all about. And Joshua had his men do it. And Joshua said to them, do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. And this is exactly what the Lord had been encouraging him with, right? Don't be dismayed. Be strong. Be of a good courage. For the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. And this must have been really awesome for his men because they remember when uh, God was speaking to Joshua in the very first chapter of this book. In verse 6, it says, God speaking to Joshua. Joshua, be strong and of a good courage. Be strong and very courageous. And then down in verse 9 and verse 1, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of a good courage. And now Joshua here is telling his men, be strong and have a good courage. Look what God has done already. He's going to do even more. He's going to, be even, he's going to do greater things than these. And so verse 26, afterward Joshua struck them. Notice Joshua did it. 
He pulled out his sword and he put an end to these five kings. He struck them. Joshua struck them. He killed them and hanged them on five trees. And there they were hanging on those trees until evening. And so it was at the time of the going down of the sun that Joshua commanded. And they took down from the trees and they cast them into the cave where they had been hidden and laid large stones against the cave's mouth, which remain unto this very day. And it was customary when they would hang somebody on a tree. God's, God told them in the, in the law, in the Deuteronomy, that you don't just let them sit there and let the birds come and the animals come and pick at them. You know, even in, even in battle, God has, he's, 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 a, he's a, if I can say a gentleman, he's more than a gentleman. He says the life that was taken is enough. We don't need to make some sport out of this. So even in death, God is dignified and he causes his people to be dignified and not to go and, and be weird and strange like we see sometimes. But notice in verse 28, On that day Joshua took Machedah and struck it and its king with the edge of the sword. He utterly destroyed them and all the people who were in it. He let none remain. He also did to the king of Machedah as he'd done to the king of Jericho. And again, these were enemies. And so he vanquishes them. And then Joshua passed from Machedah and all Israel with him to Libna. And they fought against Libna. And so Machedah, where it's located, and then Libna is actually um, uh, south of it. And they fought against Libna, and the Lord delivered it and its king into the hand of Israel. And he struck it and all the people who were in it with the edge of the sword. He let none remain in it, but did to its king as he had done to the king of Jericho. Verse 31, then Joshua passed from Libna and all Israel with him to another city just south of Libna to Lachish. And they encamped against it, and they fought against it. And the Lord delivered Lachish into the hand of Israel, who took it on the second day, and he struck it and all the people who were in it with the edge of the sword, according to all that he had done to Libna. And then Horam, king of Gezer, came up to help Lachish, and Joshua struck him and his people until he left none remaining. And this this king, this land, is actually just uh, a little bit west of Gibeon, uh, up north. There's a, there's a town uh, right to the west of Gibeon called Gezer. And this king, once he hears about all this campaign that's going down south, he comes down to try and help these people in Lachish. And, and of course, Joshua and the children of Israel strike them down too. Verse 34, from Lachish, Joshua passed from there to Eglon, which is even more farther west of Lachish. Directly west is a little town called Eglon. From Lachish, Joshua passed to Eglon, and all Israel went with him, and they encamped against it, and fought against it, and they took it on that day, and they struck it with the edge of the sword. All the people who were in it, he utterly destroyed all that day, according to all that he had done to Lachish. And so Joshua went from Eglon, and all Israel with him, to Hebron. Now Hebron is interesting because now they're going to go back east, over the mountains, into, uh, off the hills there, into Hebron, which is quite a bit of a, a journey. And they're going to go now east, and they're going to capture Hebron. And they fought against it, and they took it, and they struck it with the edge of the sword, its king and all its cities and all the people who were in it. He left none remaining according to all that he had done to Eglon, but utterly destroyed it and all the people who were in it. And then Joshua returned, and all Israel with him, to Debir. 
and they fought against it. And Debir is exactly just a little bit northwest of Hebron. And so they go even further south, and they take that town. And you can just see, you know, there, there were certain towns where the, the, the Spirit of God seemed to just kind of zero in on the activity. But as we get into the southern campaign, he's just basically listing the next day they hit this town, they hit this town, and, and the pace quickens. Their, their confidence in God is quickening, and God is enabling them even more and more. And so now they are on a roll. They're, just, they're, they're probably excited. They're just like, I can't believe it. God said he was going to do it, and he's doing it. And you know, there's nothing more that will that, encourage a person more when God says he's going to do something, and then he, you see him in your life beginning to do it. And it just spurs you on, doesn't it? It just gives you that wind in your sails. Man, that's so wonderful. And then, boy, the danger is when after the victory is over and the battle's over, that's when the real battle comes because then we tend to get lazy. But let's go on here. So he took it and its kings and all of its cities. They struck them with the edge of the sword and utterly destroyed all the people who were in it. He left none remaining as he had done to Hebron, so he did to Debir and its king, and as he had done also to Libna and its king. Verse 40, So Joshua conquered all the land, the mountain country and the south and the lowland and the wilderness slopes and all their kings. He left none remaining but utterly destroyed all that breathed as the Lord God of Israel had commanded. And when did he command that? Again, I mention the scripture because this is a really good scripture to make note of. I've mentioned it many times, but write it down because you need to understand that what when God has going having them go against the these different cities, these different people groups. It's not because he's just a mean God. But let me read it to you again. It's Deuteronomy 20, verses 16 through 18. Let me read it. We just got a couple verses, and then we'll be done. This is a critical verse, though. For their campaigns all through the land of Canaan, In Deuteronomy 20, verse 16, it says, But of the cities of those peoples which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance... You shall let nothing that breathes remain alive, but you shall utterly destroy them, the Hittite, the Amorite, and the Canaanite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite, just as the Lord has commanded you. And why? Here's the reason. Verse 18, lest they teach you to do according to all their abominations, which they have done for their gods, and you sin against the Lord your God. Remember, when they were in Egypt, the iniquity of the Amorites was not yet full. So they stayed a little longer in Egypt. And then at the ripe time, when God says, enough's enough, I've had enough, these people have gone way too far, and that's a dangerous place for a person to be. Remember when God had spoken to Jeremiah? Jeremiah was crying right before the, the, the children of Israel, or the Judah and uh, Jerusalem was going to be taken captive by the Babylonians. There came a point where, you know, Jeremiah's heart's broken, and he's like praying to God, and God says, you know what, Jeremiah? I think it's in Jeremiah chapter 7. He says, Jeremiah, don't bother praying for these people. What? You're God. Praying is good, right? Yes, it is, but they've crossed a line, and there's nothing that's going to save them now. They've crossed the line. They've crossed the Rubicon. There's no way that they are going to go back. I know this because I know their heart. And I must do this. Judgment is coming. It's on its way already. Can't you hear the chariots? Put your ear to the ground, Jeremiah. You're going to hear them coming. They're not going to stop. My people have continued, and they will not repent. That's a dangerous place to be, man, I tell you. Verse 41 
Three more verses. And Joshua conquered them from Kadesh, Barnea, as far as Gaza, and all the country of Goshen, even as far as Gibeon. And all these kings and their land Joshua took at one time because the Lord God of Israel fought for Israel. And then Joshua returned and all Israel with him to the camp at Gilgal. Can you imagine that day when they got back? Good grief. Let's have a big meal and sit by the campfire and tell the stories. What happened to you? Man, I took on five guys at once. I couldn't believe it. I was out in the field. I drew my sword, and these five guys were coming right at me. And all of a sudden, four individual hailstones, boom, 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 boom. Now I only had one guy. And right when he's about to raise his thing up like this, a big weight just fell right on his head. I'd have to do a thing. Can you believe that? Wow, it sounds like what happened to me. I had ten guys, and there was only one that was left. And he dropped his sword right as he approached me. He tripped on his shoelace. And, his, and he tripped and fell into my sword. I didn't even, I, didn't, I just had it out like this, and he tripped and fell into my sword. Really? Wow. Tell me what your story was. Yeah, I went to go raise back my axe head like that, and it slipped off the wooden thing and hit the guy behind me. I didn't even know he was there. And then Hale took care of the other guys. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> Did you ever see the Lord of the Rings? No, it wasn't the Lord of the Rings. It was uh, the Hobbit when they were running from Rivendell and they're running and they're, they're going to the, uh, it doesn't matter. But anyway, it's, it's a funny thing because it's just this comic thing where they're, they're, they're running and, you know, they're, they're throwing things and it's hitting the enemy. It's like no matter what happens, these guys are dropping left and right by happen chance. And, you know, they're, they're tripping and they're flying and they, they drop something and a guy falls on it. And it's just a big comic thing. And I almost wonder, you know, God's just, he's so faithful. I mean, I, certainly we don't want to make light of this, but my point is, is that when God is in the business of ministering, it says the Lord God, he fought for Israel, and it was an unfair advantage they had, and that's okay. But Joshua returned and all Israel with him to the camp at Gilgal. And so, what an interesting turn of events imagine just the joy of these men again the lord doing what he said he was going to do and you know he's going to do it for you too because he's he's the same yesterday today and forever god hasn't changed if he fought for israel he's going to fight for you as a child of god they were the children of god and you are a child of god is there anything too much for him i don't think that there is we think that, that there, it is because we live in the natural, and we, all we know is the natural. But let me encourage you that when you're up against a battle that you can't understand and, and the, the odds are insurmountable, don't cash in your chips. Don't throw up your, the white flag. You get on your face and you pray, and you just see what the Lord does. And even if you make a mistake... Isn't he able to turn your mistake for his glory? He can. He may not always choose to because of sin, but he may. If our hearts are right, he can even turn our disasters into trophies of his grace in the end. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the example, Lord, of the children of Israel, Lord. Please, uh, Lord, encourage our hearts, Lord, and help us, Lord, to to understand that you are the God of the impossible, that you are a miracle-working God. Lord, help us to never doubt you. 
And Lord, we do, we do sometimes doubt you, Father. We are sometimes fearful, Lord. Take away that fear. Help us, Lord, to trust in you and to follow you, Lord, to believe what your word says and to be obedient to your word, Lord. Help us to do that today and tomorrow. We ask it in Jesus' name. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Joshua. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.